Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? Yes, I am. This is the story. This story starts in New England with s- snow, or was it cocaine? <laughs> That's a lot of cocaine. <laughs> Okay, I guess it was snow. We are doing 1967's Valley of the Dolls. This is the story of three young women's ups and downs as they search for love and stardom and the impact fame, alcohol, pills, and men has on each of them. Valley of the Dolls. There are a lot of dates that this film came out. I'm going with this date. U.S., November 28th, 1967. It's directed by Mark Robson, who also did Peyton Place, Van Ryan's Express, and Champion. Nerd Alert, he got his start being an assistant to Robert Wise, editing Citizen Kane. And he later went to work with Val Luton and edited Cat People. Cat people. Oh, cat people. That was a fun one. Mm-hmm. The screenplay is by Helen Deutsch, who this was her last screenplay. She also wrote The Seventh Cross, National Velvet, and a lady King, did this? Two ladies. And King Solomon. Actually, three. If you just can't wait for it. King Solomon's Minds. Also, Dorothy Kingsley. Um, she got her start in Hollywood. Because she found herself with three kids, divorced, and she was recovering in bed from the measles, listening to the radio. And she was like, I can write better material than I'm hearing. Mm. So, yeah, she went out and made her way. She wrote on Kiss Me Kate, Angels in the Outfield, and Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Seems creepy. It is, but she... she I mean, good for her with the name of the thing. Right. But she made a big change in the, I guess it maybe it was a Broadway from to, in the, to the movie adaptation or whatever. There was like a story adaptation. And she, I guess in one version, it's the dad that's going around. And she's like, this is creepy. We need to change it to the woman going around. So I haven't seen the film. I just assume that there's seven brides for seven brothers. Okay. It was like set in Seattle. <clears throat> And it's a musical. And um, so the seven brothers are up there being lumberjacks and such. And there weren't many women because people hadn't gone that direction on the wagon trains. And so it was like um, male house brides, male order brides. You would send letters to um, different towns and they would go, hey, we need some women up here so uh, yeah <clears throat> it is pretty creepy if you think about it but the people wanted a, a change of the life they had and sometimes it worked out and sometimes it didn't yeah it's based on the 1966 novel valley of the dolls by jacqueline suzanne she also wrote the love machine once is not enough as of 2016 this novel has sold more than 31 million copies. It's one of the all-time best-selling fictional books in publishing history. Really? I, read it. I think that you guys should read, read it. Read. 
I was thinking that. I told oh, my no, book club we should read it, but I haven't read a single book all year, so what? Yeah. Oh, I think I'm ahead of Teeny right now. If you've read one, then you are. I haven't. I've read about five or six. Ooh, wow. Jacqueline Suzanne had a 140 IQ. I don't know if that's good or bad. It's pretty smart. Oh, okay. She's twice as smart as Forrest Gump. Okay, because when I was in college and I was studying uh, at that time called special education, so students with, um, wow, I forget it. I think 70 was like, I mean, wasn't Forrest Gump 70? Yeah, so, so like, I, maybe 60 to 80 was what we used to term educable mentally retarded, which means you could educate them. You had to go at a slower pace and, you know, that you weren't going to do geometry or, you know, um, brain surgery, but they can be educated to, to hold their own in society. And under that was... I forget the term and it's probably best because those were the, those were kids who. It was just a clock. It was was the sound of a lock and they were just shut away. It was trainable mentally retarded, which meant you could train them for self-help skills and such. But back in the day, there used to be places where you just put them and yeah, hear the lock close. And then just like to mention something that you said, how you went do trigonometry or brain surgery, but all of this is based off of a test. So they're getting labeled with this off of a test. So, but maybe just because they couldn't take the test well, and it's like, oh, you have a 70 IQ. But what if it was like, yeah, they had a 70 in that, but actually somehow you just crack open a skull and they just know exactly how to get in there with the brain. They're just these. And that's very possible you know? because at this time, we didn't know anything about autism, the autism yeah. spectrum. So just because a child couldn't interact socially, they were immediately considered to have less of a of a brain power. Whereas we know now, many of those kids have way more of a brain power. It's just a different way of reaching it. Mm-hmm. And we know so little <clears throat> about how the brain really even works. Exactly. But I say that exactly. to say, according to these tests, Jacqueline Suzanne, she's a very smart woman, very smart woman. <laughs> she was an only child. She was an actress on Broadway. She was an actress on television. She had one son that was named Guy, who was severely autistic. Wow. Mm-hmm. And he was, um, I don't know this proper term. I guess so severely autistic that he was institutionalized and her and her husband would always go up and visit him. And I guess that that heartbreak was one of the many, many reasons why she herself was on the old dolls. Her first book that was published was called Every Night Josephine with an exclamation point. And Mm. it was adapted, teeny, you might want to add this to your list. It was adapted from letters she'd written about her half black, about her black half toy, half miniature poodle named Josephine. 
Oh, what's it called? Every night, comma, Josephine, exclamation mm, point. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. In 1962, when she was 44, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And she made a pact with God that if she had 10 more years, she would prove to be a best, the best-selling writer in the world. And so this diagnosis really lit a, lit a fire under her little fanny because... Um, she also needed the money because her son's institutionalization is not free. Like she had oh, yeah. to, you know, yeah. she had to pay for money to keep that, um, to keep him there. Also, I read that on August 8th, 1969, she was invited to a dinner party at one Sharon Tate's house. <gasps> yes, she was. Mm-hmm. And spoiler yeah. alert, she didn't go. Yeah, and there was who was the other guy? Um, oh, he was a um, what you'd call an influencer now. Um, it, um, oh, it, yeah, I know was, we've mentioned him before. I'm blanking yeah. on it too. Um, and they decide, oh, you know what? Let's just stay in in our sweats and not think oh, about wow. it. Wow. Yeah. 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 I mean, that gives me goosebumps right now. And um, she had a, I'm paraphrasing the quote, but basically her quote, because this happened in 1969, um, her quote was basically like, yeah, I didn't go. It's basically something around to the effect of it would have sped things up a bit because she ended up passing away in 1974. Oh, okay. So she, you know, as that's why there's so many differences between the, when I read about what's in the book I'm, and I see the movie, I'm just like, wow, you guys cut out a lot of interesting parts. <laughs> like, huh? Anyway, so we'll, of course, we'll get to that later. It's edited by Dorothy Spencer, who also did Stagecoach, Heaven Can Wait, and Cleopatra. So, so many gonna, women on I know. Yeah. A lot of representation. Girl the music, power. we have Andre Previn, who yes. also did It Happened in Brooklyn. Porgy and Bess, A Bad Day at Black Rock. The lyrics to the song are by Dory Previn, who mm-hmm. at this time was still married to Andre, soon to be his ex-wife, because he's going to, in 1970, marry one Mia Farrow. Mm-hmm. Dory... Wow, she was... Re- yeah, Mia Farrow was really young. Really young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, Dory Previn also worked, I think, on Harper, The Sterile Cuckoo, and Goodbye Again. And then we have the score by John Williams. <laughs> Who? <laughs> she got it right. <laughs> she got it right, and then we can't. And then stop. we can't. We can't be cool and then we about have to pause it. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, by John Williams. You know John Williams. Home Alone, E.T., Jurassic Park, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Jaws. Did he write that song that kept playing? No, that was Andre Previn. That and, was Andre Previn. And mm-hmm. the lyrics were by Dory Previn. Although I think Jacqueline Suzanne says, that, like, just disrespects Dory Previn. It's like, I changed the lyrics. That song is sung by Dionne Warwick. Sure I, I'm not a, a big like lyrics person. I that song is not one of my favorites. I got the melody stuck in my head, and it's one of those melodies that I can't 
I, I don't, I just hear the melody. I don't hear the words to the song. And I just not a big fan of that. Director of photography is William H. Daniels. He was known as Garbo's Lensman. We might have oh. done the most William H. Daniels films. These are all the films. I might even be missing one. Grand Hotel, Dinner at Eight, Nanachka, The Shop Around the Corner, Lured, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, and Ocean's Eleven. Those are just the films we've done of his. Oh, wow. Yeah, a lot. So, the cast, starring is Ann Wells, Barbara Parkins. She was known for her TV, because there was this, there was a book Peyton's Place, Peyton Place, then there was a movie Peyton Place, then there was a TV show Peyton Place. She was in the TV show Peyton Place. She was also in 20,000 Eyes and The Deadly Trap. She was in so much TV in the 70s. Okay. So much. 60s and 70s, I guess. We have Patty Duke as Neely O'Hara. Patty Duke was a famous child actress. In 1962, okay. you might have seen, seen her before, because in 1962, she, when she was 15 years old in real life, she played Helen Keller in The Miracle Worker. On Broadway. Oh. Mm-hmm. I was trying to remember, like, the name sounds familiar, mm-hmm. and, like, she looked vaguely familiar to me. The Patty Duke show. Well, okay, so she originated the role of Helen Keller on Broadway. Then yep. she went did it in the movies. I think she got an Oscar for she it. She did indeed. Then from 1963 to 1966, she was on The Patty Duke Show playing identical cousins. It's important. Remember that later. He was playing both of them? Yes. One was English. One was American. So this was her foray into more mature roles. Exactly. Because she was all of how old in this film? She was like 23. Oh, really? She was 20. She looked older. Well, there's a lot more. I'll get get into it later. Trust me, Teeny. I got your back. Thank you. Um, She was also in Me, Natalie, Prelude to a Kiss, and so much television. So much television. So much television. She passed away in 2016, and from there on, so much television. But but okay. Here is a bit of nerd alerts. Her father was an alcoholic. Her mother suffered from clinical depression. Mm. When she was eight years old, she was given to talent managers. Like, here you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take this girl off of our back. Yeah. Go be a star. The talent managers gave her alcohol, drugs. Hell yeah. I'm just kidding. That's terrible. She's eight. S- sexual eight. situation. Okay. Well, good thing I said hell yeah before that. Yeah. They basically took a lot of her money, more money than they should have been taking from her. In 1987, she then, okay, there's going to be more. But like in 1987, she became an activist for mental health because in 1982, when she was, I guess, I don't I forgot, I didn't do the math. But in 1982, I think she was 36. Like, in her late 30s, 
she was diagnosed as bipolar. Yeah. So it was, it's just a lot to kind of to take in considering that she was eight, her mother, her father history, like, I mean, living a bunch of your life and not, and then like, Oh, you're bipolar. I mean, just the manic episodes and stuff. Um, she also suffered from, or had, I don't know what the term is, but anorexia, that was a thing, oh, which very much, yeah. makes a lot of sense. So in 1987, because me growing up, I kind of, she was always very open about, and an activist for mental health. And mm-hmm. she was one of the first people that was kind of out there and talking about it when, you know, obviously so many more people in the, you know, industry have this kind of thing. But she was one of the first people that was very open about it. There's more on that later. Okay. So that can kind of give you a little bit of a reason, uh, a little insight into why she looks so much older. Because she, despite her... some shit. Yeah, there was a lot of miles put on that odometer. You know, she had seen a lot of things. Um, We have Paul Burke as Lion Burke, I guess his name. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Two, Two Burks, yep. The Thomas Crown Affair, he was... I'm like, maybe this is why this man looked familiar to me. He was real admiral, rear admiral Hawks in Magnum PI, and I know Magnum PI was a staple of my childhood <laughs> television watching. So Uncle Tommy, Uncle Tommy's on TV. Which that I was like Whiteside, Aaron Whiteside, Uncle Tommy. It had has a different meaning. See, look at you. You got a code switch in this family, and they're like, ah. I once gave White you a necklace Tommy. that had that had a, a stone on it. Remember? Oh yeah, Before you, you went to it, college. Flip you it flip back it. One forth. side was white. One side was like um, black. Mother onyx. pearl, and the others and the other side was onyx. So I said, you can wear it and you can flip it, deciding on what you want to be that day. And I was like, it's a necklace. She never wore it. <laughs> but I necklaces. thought it was hysterical. It was. It, I still have it. It is hilarious. <laughs> She, um, he's also the grandfather of Aaliyah Shawcat. Maybe Fuke in Arrested Development and that other show. Oh, okay. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, she's in so much. Yeah. I love maybe. Okay. We have as Jennifer North, Sharon Tate. Yeah, we did. She was in Barabbas. The Wrecking Crew. She did some television. She was nominated for the Golden Globe for Most Promising Female Newcomer for this. Oh, really? And her career was on a, a you know, was, was going up. It was going on an upswing, and it was... Wiped out. Yep. Mm. Killed. In a horrendous way. Mm-hmm. In a way that now that's it. It's infamous. It's infamy, really. Yeah. You know, like it. It overshadows at any time you think of Sharon Tate. Anything. You don't think. Right. Oh, it's just I know. Actress. I've, I've literally never seen. This is the first thing I've ever seen her in. Right. Yeah. People probably but now. But I knew immediately who she was. Mm-hmm. We have Tony Scotty as Tony Polar. 
Polaire. I forgot how they said it. Oh, yeah, sorry. I think they said it both ways. This was pretty much the only film he was in. After yeah. this, he was a singer, and then he started a production company with his brother, and they went on to distribute a little uh, television series called The Baywatch. Oh, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. They also made some movies like Eye of the Tiger, and in 1981, they signed a singer by the name of Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> Oh shit! So I mean, we can laugh, but Baywatch all the way to the bank. Like these guys made two stellar business decisions just Uh right there. We have my girl Lee Grant as Miriam Poehler. She was in the Heat of the Night. She was in TV's Peyton Place. She was in Mulholland Drive. She was in the Detective Story. You can listen to in the Heat of the Night. We talk a lot about her. She was blacklisted. Um. And then later, so she, you know, was super famous to, and about to be the, the next big thing. And then she got blacklisted and her career was taken away from her. And then she got to come back and do In the Heat of the Night. And she went on to direct different documentaries. In 1985, she directed a documentary called What Sex Am I? Which is about transgender individuals in 1980s America. Oh, wow. In, the in 1985. In the eighties, yeah, man, and she did have a. She has a presence on Still screen. With us. I never saw her on the stage, oh, but really? you'd see just in her scenes, it's like she is the grand dame. I mean, just bow down to her. She's she just emanates grandness. I'm a big fan. We got to do detective story. I can't wait. Um, we have Susan Hayward as Helen Lawson. Susan Hayward has five, was nominated for an Academy Award five times. So she's a big deal. She was We've in, done her. Oh, really? Haven't we done a Susan Hayward movie? Mm, I don't, maybe I've, maybe I missed it in our 249. She was in I Want to Live mm. and <laughs> I'll Cry Tomorrow, which I'm like, no, I will cry right now. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> she was in The Conqueror. And remember The Conqueror, that shoot was like when they shot that film, The Conqueror, they were close enough to atomic bomb test that many of those production members died of cancer, including Susan Hayward, John Wayne, Dick Powell, and so many more. Mm. One of her movies is called The Lusty Men. Mm. I'm just saying, I feel like we did something. Maybe not. Put it on your list. We have Naomi Stevens as Miss Steinberg. She was Mrs. Dreyfus in the apartment. We have Egot Har- Marvin Hamlish as the pianist. He's uncredited, but he did the music for The Sting, oh. The Way We Were, and Sophie's Choice. We have Jacqueline Suzanne as the number one, as reporter number one at Jennifer Suicide. That was the actual author of the book that was asking the questions there. And in as the assistant stage manager, we have Richard, quote, I'm an actor. Don't tell me I can't play a black man, Dreyfus. His very first uh, film. Uh Uh-huh. He was in Stand By Me, Jaws, The Goodbye Girl. And most currently, you may know that name because he was not a fan of the Academy's diversity standards. He said... They made him want to vomit. Oh, Lord. 
Two of the four inclusion standards, ranging from having at least one lead or significant supporting character in a movie, from being from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group, to having the film storyline focus on one of those groups, or having a creative leadership team partially made up of underrepresented groups, must be met in order for a project to earn best picture consideration from the Academy. Oh, that's I had what no idea that exists. That's what they're implementing, and he's not happy with they're that. They're implementing he, that? I yeah. Yeah. After Oscar's so oh, white. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep, that's what they're doing. That's good. That's well, good. Dreyfus said, quote, what are we risking? Are we really Nothing. hurting people's feelings? You can't legislate that, and you have to let life be life. Then he goes on, and he's referencing... Olivier, Lawrence Olivier's 1965 performance of Othello, which Olivier did in blackface because Othello is a black Shakespearean character. He said, quote, he played a black man brilliantly. Am I being told that I will never have a chance to play a black man? I say, yes, you are being told that, Dick. He says, is someone else being told that if they're not Jewish, they shouldn't play the Merchant of Venice? I say, okay, this is just, this is me talking here, and I'm just going to go based off of how much anti-Semitism there is in the world. I'm going to say no, but I will also like to see your Lawrence Olivier and raise you on Al Pacino. He played the Merchant of Venice. Charlton Heston, he played Moses. Millie Perkins, who played Anne Frank. These are all actors who are not Jewish, playing Jewish roles. I could go on and on with a list of actors who aren't Jewish who play Jewish roles, but it's quite long, and it's pretty fucked up, honestly. that There is something that needs to be unpacked with that. So that's not a great uh, retort, my man. No, it's not. Because you it, cast, you can't tell by looking at them that they are of a, a specific race. Well, and also it's it's that it's there's so much anti-Semitism in the world that like when Hollywood was founded in its creation, that there were a lot of Jewish people who went into that and ran studios and all of that. And there was they're in the business to make money. They knew how much anti-Semitism there is in the world. They were very conscious of having people play Jewish people who didn't look mm-hmm. very Jewish. And mm-hmm. that is something that that it exists and needs to be unpacked because what are you saying? Like then it's I guess it's the whitewashing of Judaism, which mm-hmm. is very problematic. And you can say, well, People will say, oh, well, Jews run Hollywood and they're but it's it's so deep and it's really rooted in oh, yeah. such anti-Semitism. Exactly. So then he Dreyfus says, Are we crazy? And I'm like, Are we crazy? Motherfucker, the caucasity this man has over here asking if we're crazy. Then he says, quote, it's this is and he's saying this in reference to um like the history of blackface in America and stuff and and that whole thing. He says, this is so patronizing. It's so, 
it's just so thoughtless and treating people like children because it says we can't have our feelings hurt and our children's feelings hurt. We don't know how to stand up and bop the bully on the face. I say, wow. I say to Dick, I find it patronizing that you would assume that these requirements that the Academy is putting into place, which after doing 249 episodes of Gone with the Bushes, listening to when we do the POC count, you can't tell me that it doesn't matter. What I find so patronizing, Dick, is that you Mm. assume that these requirements would diminish the art that is produced. I say a boop to your nose. (laughs) (laughs) I saw a video of this um, older lady and her kids were like, talking about pride and pronouns and everything and she was like I don't care doesn't matter to me doesn't matter to me she was like but you know what I do care your name's Richard and you asked me to call you dick can't do it (laughs) (laughs) unless you truly are one and then I'll gladly call you dick but if you're Richard and you do anything I don't like you're dick. dick (laughs) So now we are to set the table? Yes. Okay. We start with a title card that says, the producers wish to state that any similarity between any persons living or dead and the characters portrayed in the film you are about to see is purely coincidental and not intended. But was no, it intended to be? Who was it supposed to be about? Oh, it was. More on that. Yeah, we have it. Ooh. Okay, great. I'll learn then, then a voiceover says, you've got to climb Mount... Oh, I wish I could do her voice. You've got to climb Mount Everest to reach the Valley of the Dolls. It's a brutal climb to reach the peak. You stand there waiting for the rush of exhilaration but it doesn't come. And the feeling of loneliness is overpowering. So we meet Anne, who is leaving New England for New York City. We meet Neely, who is singing her chops off. And we meet Jennifer, whose mother told her she has no talent. What could go wrong? Yeah, just... Just three well-adjusted women off to in a world that is off to New York York City. Okay, we are to POC, and I saw one. Well, there was Edward, the black bartender. Yes. Then there was a black porter at the Martha Washington Hotel. There was a black drummer. There was a couple, and then there was a bunch in the background. Like there was a a black family basically outside right before Tony is stricken. And then I noticed in the dinner party for Helen there. So it's just just smattering about in the background or anything. Very few. And there were lots of crowd scenes. Mm -hmm. I guess I just don't see color. Oh my God! <laughs> what you go off? You and Dick go off, go off together in a pontoon boat. <laughs> that was comedy, people. <laughs> now we are to cast, and usually Teeny and I leave it up to Aaron. Teeny, do you have cast today? Well, I wrote down one quote that I felt like just summed up the cast mm. for this movie. Outstanding. 
I can't remember which white woman said it. Well, <laughs> I mean, but a rock. <laughs> it was, I don't have to live by stinking rules set for down for ordinary people. And oh. if that ain't every white woman in America, I mean, you know, except for us, of course. Um, well, I don't know. I kind of relate to that. Uh, uh, but I was like, well, that about sums it all up. Isn't that I don't that have to live by stinking rules set down for ordinary people, said any white woman. <laughs> <laughs> One of that could be the quote of the year. <laughs> that could be the quote of the year. Oh. Yeah, that is. I mean, there. I'm go. I'm going in a different direction with cast, but the the whole thing is just basically cast because you're just watching. Like, look at these white women. <laughs> just wow. Huh. There's also a lot of gay. Oh, Ooh. gay slurs. Yeah. 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 Big, big, and it was in 67 that, you know, because, okay. So having lived it, um, <laughs> there, so we were in the midst of the civil rights movement in 67. And so really it was um, in, in my environment frowned upon to um, disparage people of color I do remember one time slapping a friend of mine in the face for saying the N word on the school bus. Um, not oh, that that's backhand? a good backhand, five on the backhand side or open, open palm, open, open palm. Um, but you know, I mean that. So we had to pick on, you know, somebody lower on the rung, and at that point, it was any LGBTQ and others so that that was really bringing up that that bottom rung of of the ladder i felt well this this dovetails into the cast for the section the zigzag that i'm going for because it was okay so i'm not on the social media but i i do like to go on the old like you know, you got the Apple news and stuff and it's an algorithm. So they'll start feeding you the stuff. Cause you can only read about the climate and Ukraine for so long. I, and I the need apocalypse my, of smoke yeah, from Canada. I need my fluff too. So I like when they have the list of like family secrets that they've uh, taken from Reddit with this, you know, it's just these, you're just like, Oh my gosh, look at these, these secrets. Some of them are like crazy. Some of them are just like, yeah, that's, that's mm -hmm. just sounds like a family, but it's exactly. just wild because there's so many family secrets and a lot of, that. okay. Then there was the celebrity family secrets. And so I read that on Thursday and Lo and behold, before I even sat down to watch the film, I forgot that she was even in it. It had Patty Duke was involved in one of the family secrets. So in 1982, Patty Duke was diagnosed with bipolar, bipolar. disorder. Mm -hmm. Remember, I was telling you about the Patty Duke show, and I was mm -hmm. like, remember that. So the creator of the Patty Duke show, Sidney Shelton, he noticed how Patty Duke had two distinct sides to her. Yeah. And he developed the show around that. Wow. Not, okay, let's just totally explain yeah. this woman. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Wow. Oh, no, I have okay. to. Okay. Yeah. So, so then, you know, 
there's always, uh, so much probably like went into 1982 and she's like, oh, wow. So then according to Wikipedia in 1967, this film came out in 1967, that Patty Duke attempted to take her life. I'm sure. Ooh. That doesn't surprise yeah. me. Yeah. So in 1965, when Patty Duke was 19 years old, she married a director who was 32 years old. And that effectively ended her quote relationship with her guardians, remember, who took her in when she was eight? Yeah. Yeah. So when she was 19, she was like, I got to get married. I got to get out of this. She divorced him in 1969. Now, in 1970, when she was 23, that's where I got 23 from. When she was 23, she was involved with three men at the same time, which I say... Good for you, Patty Duke. Go if and she get yours. To be. Exactly. She was involved with a 17-year-old Desi Arnaz Jr. Oh, oh yes. Mm-hmm. The son of Desi. Right. Um. Of I Love Lucy fame. Right. She was 39-year-old John Aston, who was Gomez yes. Adams in the Adams family. Yes. Yes. Mm. And a rock music promoter named Michael Tell. Now, in June, she's pregnant and she marries Tell in a manic during a manic phase. Yeah. And then that gets annulled 13 days later. And in February 1971, Sean Astin, who went on mm-hmm. to become an actor, he was in Rudy and he was Samwise Gamgee in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yes, he was. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I saw him on the streets of Philadelphia one day. He was, um, this was before Lord of the Rings, but after Rudy, and he was just walking down the street because he was shooting a small independent film. And I just like randomly looked up and he was walking like with maybe like a publicist or somebody. And he just saw me and he was just very nice and just smiled. and was like, oh, hello. And uh-huh. I was just like, I was like, hi, that's Rudy. <laughs> so he was just very nice from my brief interaction with him. Um, and so basically Sean Astin had, I haven't seen this film, but what the internet called a Mamma Mia type situation. There were right. three men. Uh, who was the father? Right. So in 1972, um, John Aston and Patty Duke, they got married and John adopted Sean as his son and raised him. And then they had another son who's also an actor, Mackenzie Aston. Um, but that whole time, Sean Aston was still fr- very friendly with Desi Arnaz Jr. and was also very friendly with um, the Tell guy, Michael Tell. In 1994, and... Patty Duke would say all of these different stories of like, oh, it was so it was like, that's, I'm sure, a whole thing. Um, In 1994, Sean took a paternity test and it was revealed that Tell was his biological father. Oh, another one that was on the list was Matthew. Have you heard that Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson might be half brothers? No. So Matthew McConaughey's parents we're going through their second divorce. Yes, his parents have been divorced twice and married three times. Oh, wow. Each other? Yes. Okay, just... Oh, come just, on, get no over it. No more divorce. I mean, they're still together. It was, it was two, and then third... They, they're, look, at they're comedians. The magic of threes. No they're wonder like he three. was playing the bongos on the beach. Well, so... Hi. 
So then, you know, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson have developed a friendship. Oh, yeah. They were together with Matthew's mom, and Matthew's mom says to Woody Harrelson, I knew your father. Oh, shit. And so Matthew McConaughey is like, wait, what are you? That news carrying a lot of weight. What do you mean? So during when his parents were going through their second divorce, he, she, and Woody Harrelson's father were in the same location together. So it's basically they're. Woody Harrelson's father could be Matthew McConaughey's father or the man that Matthew McConaughey has always known to be his father is his father. It's... Damn, these people are fucked up. Well, here's my thing. This is my point, and this is why I bring it up in cast, is because people have always been people. Yes. Like you, I was. That's always what gets me about reading these secrets and all of these things, is that all of this is going on in the 50s and the 30s and the 20s, all of these things. People don't live by haze codes. So right. like mental disorders are both environmental and genetic. That has go- always been passed down. Right. It's always been around. There have always been gay people. Always. Always. There have always been trans people. Always. Always. These people who are so mad... They're mad about a world that they want to go back to, but it never existed. Exactly. So it's all a lie. Like it was just made up. And that's why Richard Dreyfus needs to get his head out of his ass. Because there's going to be a lot of people who hear what Richard Dreyfus has to say and be like, no, he makes a good point. Why can't he? He's an actor in all of this. It's because this movie makes it like black people don't exist. Exactly. This movie, like, oh, is just throwing around homophobia in it. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, people, now people are up in arms because you go back into a Target and there's a rainbow flag, and they're now they're like, oh, there are all these trans people everywhere. No, they always existed. Right. What? Like putting representation in that in the movie and having your kid watch it isn't gonna make them all of a sudden be like. Oh, I'm trans. No, they already no, were. Exactly. You're you're just being mean. Like you're yes. just being mm-hmm. really mean. So. I saw a funny video. You know those people that go and interview there's like people and they go interview people at these like crazy conservative things. Mm-hmm. But they're mm-hmm. like our people, you know. Yeah, like and the Daily Show kinda, does that a lot. Yeah. And I'm going to have to get back to you on this about what exactly she said, because I was like, this, what, <laughs> one of the solutions that this one woman said was how to, she was like, I'm trying to raise my kids not to be liberals. And he was like, well, what's your solution? She was like, homeschooling. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah, that's how you got to do it is homeschooling. Cause they're never going to go out in public where they have to mix with other kinds of people yeah and then this other lady they talked to she was like all these people she was like not one woman has come forward to say that obama sexually harassed them and the guy interviewing was like yeah that's a little yeah she was like that's a little suspicious and she he was (laughs) like yep i guess he was like i've never thought about it like that but i said you put it that way a little suspicious like what in the world yeah Wow. Because 
this movie, it also... You have to look at the way that people are being sly. And I know that people roll their eyes at this. But put it into the in, entire... You know, put it into the entire stew, and this could be the nice little bay leaf that adds a little flavor. Remember when Miss Steinberg is making the joke about her cat being knocked up? Because at first you don't know if it's a cat. You think it's right, like the other right, secretary, right. and the then you learn. Tomcat. Exactly. It was uh-huh. the getting knocked up by the black top with the one eye. Exactly. And, and you just sprinkle that in, and every and it's just it's just a, and it's one of those things that if you if you've ever dealt with a person who will lob bombs at you, but they're they're just very nice and got the perfume. So that when when they when it's repeated what they said, it's no. Oh, what are you talking about? That's exactly. not. What's wrong with that? I didn't say anything. They'll be exactly. like, there's nothing. We just it's it's just it's a cat with a black top. What are we? We're not I saying call anything. You a bore. Yeah. Wow. That didn't seem very uh, sly in this day and age, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So now we're to nerd alerts, negatives. <laughs> well, they're just the nerd alerts. No, no, no. Oh, did we do nerd alerts? No. I apologize. <laughs> Go. There might be some negative nerd alerts. I don't know. I'm sure there are. Did you already do your nerd alerts, Teeny? I don't have any. Okay. All right. So the the Oscar Sweet. films, well, the the. The, t- the box office films, number five, was Valley of the Dolls. Oh, good for them. Big success. Number four was The Dirty Dozen. Oh, 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 look at that. I know. Number three was Bonnie and Clyde. Okay, we've that. done that. No, we haven't. We have not done Bonnie and Clyde. Are you kidding? We have to do it. It's the only movie of these that we haven't done, because number two is Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, and number mm-hmm. one was The Graduate. Wow. Yes, again, what a strong year for movies. Listen to the Oscars. Guess who's coming to dinner? Mm-hmm. The Graduate. Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> One yeah. of these things is not like the other. <laughs> uh, Bonnie and Clyde. And the winner was In the Heat of the Night. Yes. Oh. Yes. So this film came out in November 1967. So Great 19- Thanksgiving Day film. <laughs> yeah, completely, totally. You had the summer of love, and as Teeny coined it, the summer of love and loving versus Virginia. Mm. Because it made my family not a crime. We have the British Parliament decriminalizes homosexuality. 1967. Wow, ain't that nice. Mm -hmm. There are so many race rebellions. You have Newark. You have Minneapolis. You have the Detroit 12th Street Rebellion. Of that, Rosa Parks in 1964, so three years before that popped off, Rosa Parks, you know, famous Rosa Parks. I'm not getting off the bus. Yeah. She moved to Detroit in the late 50s, and she said in 1964, quote, I don't feel a great deal of difference here from Alabama. Housing mm-hmm. segregation is just as bad. It seems more noticeable in the larger cities. You also had uh, racial rebellions in Milwaukee. Just, it's it's street Milwaukee, fighting Milwaukee, good God. Milwaukee. Well, yeah, because it makes sense. The Great Migration. Yeah. And you have, you have white people looking around, and they're like, what the hell? And then you have black people looking around like, I am an American. I built this country. 
I want the same things that you want. Just let me be. And they were like, mm. not so fast. And then, oh, man. I mean, 1967, also, you know, Muhammad Ali, he got stripped of his title because he wasn't going over to Vietnam because no Viet Cong ever called him the N-word. Um, so Vietnam, it's not going well, to say the least. <gasps> oh, my God. There's huge protest in November. So when this movie comes out, LBJ, he's the president. He holds a secret meeting with, quote, prestigious prestigious leaders. And he's mm-hmm. like, boys, how do we reunite the American people behind the war effort? That's pretty good. Thank you. I mean, that's, and, that's a fair effort. And the 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 brain trust said, oh, why don't we just shut these things down? Like this was the the French involvement. Let's just let's just get out while we still can. No, that's not what they said. No, we they got said, money to make. They said, well, the American people should be given more optimistic reports on the progress of the war. Don't That'll really how turn many the tide. People died today. No. So then later in November, the general Westmoreland, he said, quote, I am absolutely certain that whereas in 1965, the enemy was winning today, he is certainly losing. And when that calendar flipped over to 1968, a little thing known as the Tet Offensive happens. And we man. But hey, a lot of people. Made a lot of money off that war. So so much money on Whoa. the backs of young men who had nothing. Mm. Yep, that's black, white, Latino. That's just a that was the war. A war on poor people right there. Yeah, the war on poor people. Yeah, exactly. Because if you didn't have a daddy that could get you out of that draft. Then. Or you didn't have you didn't have piano fingers that could play your way to the back of the line. <laughs> you were going over there. You think if, if my dad didn't know how to play the piano that, that we'd be here talking? <laughs> no. <laughs> he tickled them ivories right out of Vietnam. <laughs> also had the forethought to join uh, ROTC in college. To go yeah. to become an officer. Yeah, because they heard him tickling those ivories. <laughs> like, he tickled my ivories. Oh my oh gosh. <laughs> oh. You, I, I guess, yay. They're supposed to be positive now. So, hey, very uncomfortable, but. Good. I'm happy, I guess. Can we move on? Go ahead. Those are my nerd alerts. Okay, so we are two negative reheatables, and I believe I just had one. (laughs) Um, Okay, only men in charge. There were only men in charge of everything. I mean, the women had to kowtow to the men. That sounds familiar. You can't be married and have a job. Like he was the original dude wasn't gonna Doesn't hire. Doesn't sound that bad for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sherry again with the Sherry again with yeah. the Sherry. Gross. I gotta try. Is it like sweet vermouth? Because 
man, I got a bottle of sweet vermouth. I maybe it's the brand I'm buying. Like, whoo-wee. Why are you buying sweet vermouth? Because it's in the gronies. I'm trying to, oh. I'm trying to. I you oh, know okay. me. I like three three yes. ingredient cocktails. Sherry's like a sweet wine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it seems like it's like a vermouth. Okay. A singer singing to an audience member. <laughs> oh, you don't like the that's the doesn't make you uncomfortable? <laughs> when it's done to you as the only white person in an entire bar of people of color, it was like Dude, I was always in a little corner off in the back somewhere. Who was singing to you? Uh, back in the day, the singer for Poppy's group. <gasps> this dude called T. And he, I mean, he I'm lend your keys to your white ivories. <gasps> that is my mother. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> no. He said no. he was up for that one. I just wanted I just wanted to sit there in as much anonymity as I could. And he sings an entire song to me. What's, what song was it? I don't uh, remember. Some, some song was, about like ivory and loving porcelain. Like, I don't know. That sounds like something the only white woman in the room would say. <laughs> Wait, He's what's totally the quote? singing this song to me. It's I oh, the other um, <laughs> I don't have to live by the stinking rules set down for ordinary people. Thank you. It was very, very uncomfortable. Now Sharon Tate uh, enjoyed it. Well, she I, was with a grandfather figure. Uh, I did not. Because no. you were with the keyboardist. <laughs> yeah, just trying to hide. That night, I did not go to the restroom in the club because of said uh, attention. You're like, there's plenty of other beautiful women here. Exactly. Okay. You said to me, now go sing, go sing, go sing. It doesn't have to be directed at me. It was so uncomfortable. Just almost, now this is getting into humble brag territory of... I am so attractive, but I was no, trying. I was wearing a paper sack. And it yes, was, no, <laughs> stop it. It wasn't even close to that. I think he, he enjoyed making me squirt, feel uncomfortable. Feel <laughs> uncomfortable. I see you, Christine Maves. <laughs> Who has not yet taken my last name? I see you. You <laughs> just said he enjoyed making me squirm. I did not get the herb off. I did not finish with the herb. And there were too many sexual orientation slurs. Other people's negatives. <laughs> Ooh, okay, I don't know how I can follow that, but the slush is my first negative. That's slush in New York City. <laughs> Disgusting. You could tell they were filming in a real winter. Mm-hmm. Couldn't you? Yeah. Um, this quote, you're the most beautiful girl that ever left her lipstick in my office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also have Sherry. The drink, not the name. Um, that alarm clock would have been thrown across the room yeah. the first day. You know, when Adam and I, for many years, I used to be the type of person that would set 10 alarms. 
Okay. Like I needed 10 alarms. And if you, if you're like this, a few years ago, I got a Phillips wake up alarm clock and it changed my life. And they use these, they tested them in places that stay dark for 24 hours. And so 15 minutes before your alarm starts to go, before you need to wake up, it gradually starts getting brighter in your room. Oh, and I have okay. it set to birds chirping. So, yeah, highly recommend. And then... Old school. I like the... Well, yeah, me too. I like being... I used to like being scared awake, but now he didn't Ooh. like it. No, he wouldn't. This man puts his alarm clock... He has it on his phone. Mm -hmm. One blip on the sound radar. <laughs> yeah. Ain't no way I'm waking up for that. I, well, okay. This is this okay. is gonna. I didn't. I had to learn how to wake up to an alarm when I got to college because I never had an alarm. I was always gently awoken by my mother in the morning singing to me <laughs> until I went to college. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> was it the same song every day? How it was this song. Today? How come you've never woken me up that way? When I, I don't. There? I don't come down there. <laughs> never mind. I'm not gonna say it. Uh, um, I don't. Oh, I wrote this down. Remember? Oh, just because advertising. Mm. I guess advertising is my negative, but remember the beautiful people wear Gillians. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Fuck off. Only the beautiful people matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the F word, and I don't mean fuck. Mm. Yes. yes. Just so much. Flying fast and free. Just mm -hmm. woo, 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 woo. Calling an airline, having to call an airline to schedule a flight. She, she didn't know her credit card. They didn't have, like, how'd she pay? Do you still call the airline to schedule your flight? I don't. No, I, but I call them on the internet. <laughs> and, and Poppy deals with it, so. Well, yeah, she doesn't, she doesn't book her own air travel. Oh, what is, mm. what is the quote again? <laughs> um, yes, I don't have to live by stinking rules set down for ordinary people. Exactly. Mm. Those are my negatives. I, did you do your? Oh yeah, you already did. Okay, mine. Did they the back of bras was that just a safety pin at some point? I, that was uh, that was totally okay. Mm -hmm. uh, that is not something that I knew about. <laughs> okay, um, I was very confused the first time I saw this about who Miriam was to Tony. Cause it was just Lee Grant, just just Wasn't in the it? back, you think and I was just like, "What's going on?" It was on? really his mother. It was an Eric Clapton moment. I did. Yeah, I was just very. I won't say an Eric Clapton moment, cause fuck that guy. But I would say a uh, Jack Nicholson moment, a Chinatown okay. moment. Okay. Um, ha, man, the term, the slang of dolls for pills never really took off there, did it? <laughs> No, no it's like stop trying to make fetch happen. Exactly. And, and uh, hmm? uh, I knew people in the in that atmosphere, and I never heard that. I never heard that in all of my time of people on my periphery. Mm -hmm. 
Man, I like Dion Warwick, but I do not love this song. No, that song all. it wasn't great. Ooh wee. And then finally this was this was more of like an I an idea about this. I don't know if I'm gonna uh, let me see if it makes any sense. It's very similar to the feeling that I have when I'm watching Succession, and that it's that, oh man, look how happy I am at not being rich and famous. Yeah. But then when you think about it, like with Succession and like with this film, the people who make this, they're coming from the studios. And like the author, Jacqueline Suzanne, she was chasing after wealth and fame. Exactly. And so they're all like chasing it. But then they're and these people that they have it. And it's this, you know, this is what they're putting out to us. A schmucks, you know, right. down here. And then it's like you, they're reading about it and it's all like, oh man, you don't want this. You're much happier with those three kids in your ranch house. You don't want any kind of this. And it's just weird when you think about it, especially when it comes with like the rich of like this weird gatekeeping in a way. It's mm-hmm. like what you would do if you like when you're a little kid. You had like ice cream and you had a sibling and they're like, oh, I want something. Like, let me try. And you're like, no, this is just this is nasty. You don't want this. You wouldn't like this so that they can't have any of it. And then you get to have it all to yourself. I'm like, that's exactly what they're doing. Exactly. But okay, so positive reheatables. Dom Perignon. There was a lot of Dom in there. There was a lot of Dom. I do like me some nightclubs. Hmm. Don't they seem like they would be fun? Are there nightclubs anymore? Yeah, like in Vegas. You go to. Yeah, oh, I have something. Yeah. Yeah, in Vegas. Hmm? Yeah, nightclubs where you can like sit and listen to someone and not like. Yes stand like a sardine and wait for a drink like you know right. mm-hmm. table service right you can drink dom while listening to a performer yeah singing one song to one woman it's very uncomfortable for everybody but if you want to experience that you have to be look at the pain that it has to come you're, you're going to be miserable that's the entrance into the nightclub world mm. according to what entertainment has taught me you don't really want that ma no yeah no no. no. patty duke's dresses i liked her dresses Mm. i like that white outfit when she went and and snatched the girl's wig yeah i like that um and i mean i like that's a lot of white for me yeah but the green and gold one Mm. earlier i really liked that um Susan Hayward, seeing Susan Hayward again. Mm-hmm. The Conservatory and Susan Hayward's mm. um, domain. The Plant Room. Mm-hmm. The Room of Plants. Oh, yeah, I like that a lot. Um, I had also, I guess that was to be nightclubs, because I had shows where you sit at tables. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, like, when we went to see... Um, RuPaul's Drag Race in Vegas. I liked that you sat in a like it was like a round table, mm-hmm. and there was us three, and then we were the very nice other two people. Um, and you know the drink service could have been better, 
Mm-hmm. But that's the only negative. You don't, you know, you got to wait for somebody to come over, but that's okay. Um, the mobile, mobile. I never know if it's mobile or mobile. Mobile. Just mobile display at Helen's show. <laughs> so 60s. It's so ambitious. So yeah, but it seems like, but like if you did that today, it would be like, it's really cool. I agree. Like, that's because, like, you know. Yeah, it was almost was- too cool. I have no idea what that woman was singing. I kept watching the the one with the circles within the circles, and I just kept watching. I'm like, it's coming. It's Oh, there it goes. Oh, my gosh, it's crazy. was able to walk amongst oh, it. Yeah. I thought it was cool, though. It was so 60s. So 60s. Um, The bar at Yale or whatever is where I wrote down. I wasn't quite sure where they are. When they walked in, and it was like a, a house, but there was a yes. bar. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so when we were in Savannah, um, when I was in Savannah this year, we went to this restaurant. I can't remember the name of it. But it's like this old historic house, and they it's still set up like a house. And you like they haven't knocked any walls down; they just have tables set up in there. And so then they just like it's like you could eat in the living room, or maybe mm-hmm. you're eating upstairs. Um, but I liked that they just turned it into a restaurant. Mm-hmm. That sounds cool. Yeah. Um, I also had the alarm clock as a positive. Mm. She ain't gonna sleep through it. It did get her up. It did. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. I don't know that I've ever had a chestnut that was roasted, but but can't you buy those in New York City in the in Christmas time? Probably somewhere. Mm. You can get anything here. It's New York City. Um, what does this say? (laughs) My notes. (laughs) I. Wear. Mm-hmm. I I wear. I'd wear that or glasses. Eyeliner. Eyeliner. Oh. So one of those women had this eyeliner, like, and it went out, but it went up above her, like she had was lined it? like the hood of her lid. And oh, or no, no, that was Marion Sharon Tate, and that's oh, very Sharon in, Tate. Very in these days. That's, that was Lee Grant. Might be. Lee Grant had like eyeliner. They all had a lot of. Yeah, uh, but it was like the geometric, like, like she had like drawn a shape. I don't know. It's very in mm, right now. Mm-hmm. And then I liked when what's her name got her wig snatched off. Mm-hmm. That was. And when fun. she said, "I'll go out the way I came in." Yes, mm-hmm. she owned it and made it mm-hmm. work. And I thought she looked better. Yeah, I, I do. Those are mine. But I have to say that wig was then I because I watched the movie twice. And when I watched it the second time, like I thought that it was very impressive because the, her wig went up. So it. Yeah, you didn't see, see that line. Yeah. Yeah. And then she's because I was like, oh, maybe it's not. real, But then like, no, they like snatched it off. I was just like, oh, damn, that's professionalism. I have to say again on the second viewing. So. I mentioned I don't know if I mentioned this when we recorded it if it's on tape or not but I always confuse the valley of the dolls and the stepper wives and I even said it last week <laughs> so this film yeah. I'm like oh okay 
so she's gonna go to New York and then she's gonna end up going someplace and be become the step for wives kind of thing, which is like just zombied out or in a commune and being like the perfect woman. And I, I was watching this film and I'm like, when are they gonna go? When is it gonna kick in? When is it gonna wait? And then the film ends and I'm like, wait, did oh. I was confusing this with a step for wives, which mm -hmm. I said I was going to confuse it. And so when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, this is a lot funnier. <laughs> like it's real over the top. Mm -hmm. Yes. I see why it's become like a cult classic. Yes. Exactly. Because on first viewing, I'm just like, wait, what's going I'm not understanding this. And then on the second viewing, I was just like, oh, wow. And also on the second viewing, I knew about Patty Duke's, um, uh, okay. Um, challenges, shall I say? And so I I think a lot of people see it as she's super over the top, but I kind of see it as like, no, she's like basically living the life of that character. Exactly. Like this exactly. is very realistic. It's just the way that she does it. I guess maybe she's one of those actresses or actors where the way that their face conveys like a certain emotion people think it's over the top but i'm just like she's coming with the real deal holy mm -hmm. this um i really like that artwork at the beginning and then how it turns and it's the women and then the mountains are in the back and i was like oh it changes depending upon your perspective oh. um I like the whole depiction of the business we call show. <laughs> just. Yeah. Because it was just a cycle. It was just a, a whole revolving cycle. And I've heard that on, I mean, we'll get to Judy Garland, but that's a thing. Like, and that's a thing with singers. And it doesn't have to be just Judy Garland, like Whitney Houston, a lot of them. That's how they get hooked on the dolls, as they say, because mm -hmm. of the hours they need to be, mm -hmm. you're up at five o'clock in the morning and you need to have that pep, 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 that energy. So you got to take them uppers and then right. you're zooming on the uppers and then you have the crowd and it's just this love. And then that's the show. And you, and now it's because you got to be up at 5 a.m. the next night and now it's midnight, but you're just zooming off of adrenaline in the show. So you got to get to sleep. So then you got to take the downer to make you right. go to sleep, but you got to be up at five and you've just taken the downer at midnight. So then you need the upper and it's just this complete roller coaster. Yeah. And then so many people in their backgrounds, because, you know, mental illness, it's the environment. So show business environment, but then it's also the genetics and how many times have we have there been people that their parent was an alcoholic, their parent uh -huh. had depression. And this is in all these times when it's the family secret. Nobody's talking about it. So it's all being held under wraps. And since nobody's talking about it, nobody's looking for things that they can do to alleviate the situation. And so that just gets poured down. Um, I like how Anne just goes off to the big city to get a job. Yeah. She's just yeah. like, I graduated college. I'm going off to the big city. And I was like, you go, girl. And then she goes and she meets a guy. And she gets her heart broken. And then she's just sitting there. And then, boom, she's a model. <laughs> yes. Yes. Just, yeah. It just happens that way. Yeah. I was just like, so I'm just over here waiting. Mm. <laughs> um. Man, this so 
Tony's whole he has Huntington Huntington's disease. Okay. And in this film comes out in November 1967. In October 1967, so a month before this film comes out, Woody Guthrie, who is a famous folk singer, mm -hmm. he wrote the lyrics to "This Land Is Your Land." You know that we all sing in oh. school, mm -hmm, big time. He died from complications of Huntington's disease before this film came out. Huh. So I'm assuming that that was probably a big. Like Woody Guthrie is dead because this was around the time 1967 where, where people like Bob Dylan and there was a whole folk revival mm -hmm. going on in music. So Woody Guthrie was, you know, one of the the icons of that. And so I just thought that was very interesting. And Huntington's disease, it's in the it's a neurodegenerative disease. So it's in the family of like Parkinson's disease and that kind of mm -hmm. thing where you know, it's one of those things that really, because we know so little about the brain, but it's just these degenerative things, and it's mostly hereditary. So it gets passed down, and it's a gene. It's mostly hereditary because everybody has this gene, and if your parents have it. So now this is one of these things where if you're having a baby now, there's so many tests that they can do. Yeah. Like genetic testing that is crazy to find out if because it's one thing to know that you're a carrier, but it's one thing to know if that was one of the genes that, you know, took place in your kid and stuff. So it's just wild to think about. But now we don't you don't really have to think about it because abortion's illegal. So you're just I guess you just know what you're dealing with now. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Um I put this in the good reheatables, but it's a bad reheatable. But it's good because it's just, it's like an evergreen tree. Just keeps going. Pitting women against each other. Always. <laughs> always. Always. There's always somebody that's younger. We love that's, to do it. Yeah, we love to do it because that's, it's just, that's the game. It's like, you're going to hate the player, you're going to hate the game. I mean, because... We'll we'll get to it when we talk about the people who that this is like allegedly based on, but not um, really because there was a disclaimer. Not really, right? Also, it's just Hollywood, so I'm sure that anybody in Hollywood is like, oh my gosh, that's me. Because <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, we kind of mentioned it. I thought that she did a favor when she threw that wig, that wig piece in the agreed. In the um, and then finally, my positive reheatable is. I can say my let me let me add a negative reheatable real quick. Just all the stuff that I've just I haven't read the book, but just all the stuff that they cut out from the book that they didn't put yes. in the movie is it seems like a very negative reheatable to me because I'm like I'm in the second rewatching of this film. I'm like there are there's no reason this film we could cut a good 15 minutes out from the beautiful from I guess, the singing training. the singing well the singing right. we could also cut out the um establishing shots mm -hmm. yeah like mm -hmm. although it was cool seeing the plane land like with the plane like okay that was cool but we could there was just a lot of like new england shots we could get rid of why do we need to see yeah, her coming yeah why do we need to see her coming to pick up the guy to visit after her mother has died and then we mm -hmm. are Dri watching them drive back. We don't need, there's a whole bunch of scenes that we needed to take out. Lots of there also seems to be some good quotes from the book because I was looking for one from the movie and I ended up finding one from the book that I wrote down. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. 
and so my final positive reheatable is, man, this guy lying. He, he just, they were like, oh, the women all like him. And he's talking that game. And then he's like, baby, you, I don't want to be married. Why can't we just be together? And there's a part of me, the modern, the modern era. And it's like, yes, you know, this is, he's, he's right. You don't need to be married, whatever. But I just didn't feel that his sincerity, like his reasoning for not wanting to be married wasn't was, quite the reason that he didn't want to be married. Exactly. He didn't want to be married because he still wanted to mess around with other women. So, and that's why my best reheat, not best, but I love that when he comes back to her, she's just like, nah, nabby, I'm okay. And she just goes out in the New England and finds a stick and just starts playing with a stick. <laughs> and I the movie pick up ends. on that imagery, but... And the there movie ends. She picked up one stick. She didn't like it. Put it down. Picked up another stick. That and she's is like, exactly this is true. my whacking stick. And then she just goes off whacking things. I'm going to be fine in my life alone. <clears throat> I did have, I did have pills being called dolls as a negative and an over the top positive. I feel like we I now mean, have a new nickname for <laughs> Hey, go give me my dolls, doll. Yes. <laughs> You're a peach. Now we're to quotables. And I realized more than halfway through this that I hadn't written a single one down. So I did write two. I need a man to hold me. No, you don't. You really don't. You need you to be able to hold yourself says the person who has been married for nearly 50 years. <laughs> the other one is, I look Jeannie, blue. you're on mute. Oh. <laughs> Maybe. Well, oops, yeah. you missed what I said. Yeah, what, what did, did you say? I said, says the person who's getting her ivory keys tickled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm never going to live this down. Okay. Well, Okay. <laughs> I licked booze, pills, and the funny farm. Mm. Well, I have a lot, so buckle up. Excellent. Well, the one that I have from the book that wasn't actually in the movie was, before I came to New York, I lived here in this mausoleum. I was nothing. I was dead. When I came to New York, it was like a veil lifting. For the first time, I felt I was alive, breathing. Mm. Relate. And then... The way they put it in the movie was, I'll never forget the night I told them I was going to New York. They said it was a dreadful place for a vacation. I announced I was going to work there. That was it. Mm -hmm. A dreadful See, place for a vacation? Get out of here. Yeah. This is, this is kind of to my point of, that's why I'm really excited that you're going to read this book over, over, <laughs> over vacation at the beach. So you can point out, I have a feeling that I heard a thing that Good, great books make bad movies. Yeah, like the difference in that, ah. those two quotes. Mm -hmm. But that the like great movies come from mediocre books because you take a mediocre book and then you yeah. can expand yeah. upon the idea. Okay. And great TV shows come from mediocre books. Although I will say the the a difference that I have seen recently was I read the Gone Girl book and really yeah. liked it, and then when I went to see the movie. I did really enjoy the movie because I I understood the changes as it was happening of what they changed and why they changed it. And 
I still, even though I knew what was going to happen, the way that they did the movie, it still was, I was like, oh, I really enjoyed the movie. And they did change some things from the book, but they had to. So that's kind of an example, but that's few and far between. And that actress, what was her name? Rosamund Pike. Oh my God. I mean, oh my God. That was a good moment in time. We still quote, I don't know why, part of, at least once a week, Adam will say, that girl gone. (laughs) (laughs) Something. (laughs) Um, one of them said, mother, I know I don't have any talent and I know I don't have any money and I am doing my bust exercises. Oh, her bust mm-hmm. exercises. Just doing those bust oh, exercises. And then I loved at the end, she was just like, I'm just going to let them sag. And I'm like, there you go. Girl. That's right. That's, That's right. what you do. Now, put on an all birds bra and everything is good. I mean, no, no, um. No, it's not quit. lifting you up advertising. No, it's not, I know. I gotta lifting, get, but they're contained. Oh, no, I gotta get. I gotta get something that that has more of the comfort, but just does a little bit of the lift. <laughs> well, that's a, for public. I just need yeah. one that's not dingy gray color. Um, <laughs> oh, that's that makes that makes washing so much easier. Everything goes in. Everything comes out. <laughs> oh, you the think I would separate my colors? Yeah, exactly. I don't. That's why the dingy no. gray is awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, maybe I'm lucky I don't have any talent. Mm-hmm. I feel that way. <laughs> oh, the, when, the burden of talent. <laughs> I'm going to save this one for last. Okay. I can't even remember anymore when someone wasn't nagging at me or pressuring me mm-hmm. or beating on me. Mm-hmm. Damn. Damn. That's management. That's people who are living that management lifestyle because I do not relate to that. <laughs> I relate. Her hair is as funny as she is. Mm, they could say that about me. This one, contender and quote in the year. It probably won't win, but it's going to be a mm. runner up. Boobies, boobies, boobies. <laughs> Nothing but boobies. <laughs> who needs them? I did great without them. And I'm going to play an audio clip after this one. <gasps> so this quote was, when a man says he won't do a certain scene, it's integrity. When a woman says the same thing, it's temperamental. Yes. And I came across an interview that Taylor Swift did. I don't know. It looks like it was maybe a couple of years ago. Um, so I'm going to play. Let me get it queued up. I hope you can hear it okay. Men and women in the music industry, right? Give me an example. Okay. A man does something, it's strategic. A woman does the same thing, it's calculated. A man is allowed to react, a woman can only overreact. Which brings us to Scooter Braun. And then they go on to talk about Scooter Braun, but I thought the beginning of that was perfect. It's still going on. Still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's always, it's just the, the double standard of, there's so much, so many things that are a double standard. Yesterday I ran the a 10K in Central Park and it's 
the started in 1972 and it was like the world's first women's only road race oh and i was trying because i was trying to figure out why it was called a mini 10k and i was like oh they're doing less than 10k or right but it's the mini 10k because it's about the mini skirt which is a form of freedom for women and blah 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 mm-hmm. whatever but um central park is if you don't know actually very hilly and so doing a loop like you get all lots of hills and there's uh, yeah it's just hilly so it's like a good race it's fun but at the end i was like damn did they put all the they did it in central park to remind women of all the peaks and valleys of their damn lives there you oh, go wow. Ouch. can we please get a flat course they were like, no, you didn't approve the ERA. <laughs> no flat course. <laughs> and those are my quotables. Well done. I have the retort to that, oh, the cat got knocked up, was when she says, a black Siamese would be very pretty. I was like, oh, it would be. It would be. And then, you know what else would be? One of those hairless cats. A black hairless cat. I've never seen one of those. Oh. I wonder, that is interesting. You're going to have to Google that. The hairless cats um, scare me. Oh, I love them. Very scared of them. Ah! Sphinx cats, that's what they're called. They exist. Oh, wow. It's beautiful. But it's, it's you know what? I might be problematic here, and I apologize. I would like to see a picture of the black skinless cat, because in an odd way... Maybe I'm not so terrified of it. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think it doesn't look quite as creepy. Right? We <laughs> wouldn't be allergic. Yeah. It's the cat dander we're allergic to. But I just sent you a picture. Oh, I'm, I'm just not a cat. You know what? Yeah. Wow. Uh-oh. Wow. Do not turn into a cat person. I'm not, but I'm the not white, freaked the out pink, by this. The other ones look like rats. These yes. These look more majestic, like panthers. Yeah, they do. Wow, well, that is so that's interesting. Velvety. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Interesting. That is interesting. I'm, you know, I'm. A, I respect cats. I'm not a cat person. They they have their own vibes. I have my own vibes. I don't want anything bad to happen to them. I understand their place in society. And whatever. If you love cats, you're allowed. I go and be that. There's just something about them. But also, I had a traumatic experience with a cat named Helen when I was young. <laughs> and she was named Hell, and for a reason. Mm, yes. So good cat name, it, though. It's like the P. Look at me cowering again. <laughs> yeah. Adam wouldn't go to the bathroom in Grammy's apartment because Helen was in between him and that bathroom. Helen. Yeah, she was... She, she was very mean. She was she very was an, mean. She was an angry female. Very, very angry. Very angry cat. Just t- took all of the the misogyny of the world and just was... It was in Helen. Man, I like... Who's stoned? I'm merely traveling incognito. Yeah. I like that. I like when she was going to get some, and the I think she's gonna have Helen sign away the um 
the contract and there was the helper that was like, and you're a Capricorn. It was, if you're a Capricorn oh. or something, she was like, watch your step. Yeah. Like, Ooh. Um, yeah. Cause I had the other, the, the rest, they were already taken. Nice. All right. So we are two LVPs. I have two. Mm-hmm. First, okay, stay with me now. My first one was Neely because she let fame get so to her, and then she slept with her best friend's boyfriend. But then I went, wait a minute. How about the boyfriend being M- LVP? Because he slept with somebody who he knew was best friends with his supposedly significant other. Yeah. And I think feel like Neely, if we're looking back on it, probably is <laughs> I'm probably looking into the actress is playing it, but Neely seems like she probably was bipolar. How you know, like yeah. we have manic phases and up and down. So she's right. probably in a manic phase and right. Yeah. Um, Oh, was that just your runner-up, or was that your LVP? Yeah. Uh, um, Both of them. Well, I'm on the same page. I put Neely. She seems like a bitch. And she, like, the one quote that I put was when she was talking about her man, and she was like, well, you're not the breadwinner either. Um, Yes. I don't know. I mean, he, yeah, the, when she got rid of him. You're the one with the money, that's. Right. He was keeping her as down to earth as he could with Mm -hmm. her manic episodes. So, yeah. And the scene where, what about the scene where she was in the sanitarium and she has that song with Tony. He snaps out of it for a bit and she's describing everything she went to. And then she was like, it's, um, the guy lion and Anne are together and they go to visit Neely, mm-hmm. and Neely goes to her, oh, you better watch out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take your man. Yes. And then they cut to Anne is calling. They have the scene where Lion says, I have to go out and help Neely because she's making her comeback. And Anne's like, I don't, she, like, she's a grown-ass woman. She's a star. She doesn't need you to be there. Because she was with, she saw how she, she, the woman was basically like, if you don't, if you let him out of your sight, it was just, just the women, just pit, again, pitting women to exactly. each other. Exactly. And then she calls and Neely is, picks up the phone and is just like, oh, he's taking a shower. Yeah. With I'll that sly look on uh-huh. her face. Uh-uh. Like, I'll yes. have him call you later. Uh-uh. Yeah. She was just, but my LVP was is the societal moral codes around women. Mm. Be, you know, just all because it goes back into what I was saying in cast about how all of this stuff has always happened, you know, mm-hmm. and there's all of, but there's just these like she has to stay at the. Although I mean, I'm kind of torn because the Martha Washington Hotel for Women. I'm kind of like, well, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought that back. I know. <laughs> I don't know if I love it or hate it. Exactly. Like, like it seems like a safe space, maybe. Although, like, you did notice really. that there was the black man, and I was like, oh, but they have a black porter around all these white women? Oh, I, I feel like that would not. 
that they, they would be like, whoa, whoa, what? That, so that did make me laugh on the second watching. But yeah, it, it does seem like, like how they have the, isn't there like an Uber type company that's like for like women drivers for women? But then it's sad because then it's, we're not really addressing the problem. Right. You right. know, it's kind of like, here, woman, you can do this to, to help yourself and to be safe, but we're not really teaching men, like, Exactly. <laughs> Why don't you not be so creepy and stuff? Um, so it was just like all of that and just how, oh, you have to, uh, I think Jennifer, the Jennifer character says it about, she was like, oh, my mom told me that I, sh- that I should wait to, for marriage. And they mm-hmm. did just put all of this extra pressure on women and stuff, but mm-hmm. it's not on men it's like oh you slept with a man before you were married oh you had a kid out of wedlock oh you don't like all of these things oh you're no you're working and you're engaged so you're just gonna leave me so i can't like these are the reasons why and then people get business owners get mad because they're like there's so many business laws that that i have to comply with and stuff it's like yeah because y'all dumbasses we're like no i'm not gonna hire this woman because she's just gonna leave me Right, when she gets married and and go have a kid, so Mm -hmm. I can't hire women. And people are like, no, or she's just gonna go have a kid, and I gotta hire somebody. And they're like, no, now you have to hire. Like she has to come back. She's just like a, she's a nor, she's a person. It's just a person. She's just go have. Yeah. There were times when um, a woman who was pregnant couldn't teach school. Married, yeah, unmarried, but where do you think? They couldn't be seen. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense because how do you, like, we all came, we all came. From the same place. Exactly. We were either cut out of a woman's womb or we came through her vagina. Like, that's it. That's, That's how we all got here. I think I would take the cutting out part. Okay, we are to MVPs, and I just changed mine. Oh. Now, my runner up, which was previously my uh, MVP is is Patty Duke her acting yes Mm -hmm. it seemed over the top but not for what she was really going through as um, probably somebody who was bipolar and had those mood shifts Um, she is she still with us she has no she passed away in 2016 from sepsis um, she was a phenomenal that seems like actress. a bad way to go. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course. Why would she go an easy way? But, but she has, um, she has like three memoirs that I think would be fascinating to oh. read. Whoa. Yeah. Because the readers, you, you two should look into it. <laughs> I like I, you guys book assignments. But I'm me. going to buy Valley of the Dolph. I will buy the book so that we can all share it at the beach. Oh, nice. And that means I'm, you two read it, and then you get to tell me okay. what happened. Okay. Um, but my MVP is Neely's boyfriend. What was his name? Oh, the blonde guy? Yeah. He was in... They, our, she was his the first husband. Yes. Yes. And he was in some other TV shows. A lot of TV in the 60s. Mm. But because he knew when to cut and run, mm-hmm. he went, okay... You are you are beyond my help. I'm out of here. And you got to know when to cut and run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kenny Rogers Unless you're a teeny and you have to stay forever. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I ended up with. 
Mm. <laughs> um, my MVP is Patty Duke. I thought her acting was amazing. I did too. I like, I, yeah. When I was watching it, I was like, I can see why this is like a cult classic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I also felt, oh, could be problematic. Sharon Tate didn't quite get there with her acting. Well, here's the, the interesting thing about that is I felt the same way until I saw it a second time and looked at her character arc because her character is... I don't know. I don't know if this is done on purpose because I thought when you first see her and all of her lines and stuff, it was it's I was just like, stilted. oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. But that was her character was supposed to not be talented. Like her whole reason was like she was well, supposed to be good looking. Oh shit! So she could have been the best. Maybe she was the best one of them so all. Because then, then at the end, that scene where I mean, spoiler, but you know this. This is the podcast where she is. She has breast cancer, and they're gonna do a mastectomy. Uh, you're right mastectomy mastectomy and she was going all she's got. in france exactly to do you know basically softcore porn you know french art films and, and whatnot and that was what was paying for tony it's like she to was keeping the family exactly. and so she was gonna lose her breast and because her mother had told her the only thing that she was worth anybody for was her body and the first time we see her i didn't even know that, that was her she's the one that has the headdress, the headdress. On, and the guy says nobody's even going to be looking at that headdress and it's like she's like oh it's a little top heavy and we're like we know yeah. and it was the joke about like the boobs and exactly. so then it's like that final scene and when she's mm -hmm. on the phone to her mom she's, she's like oh no there's nothing else i want you to tell me i thought that that was actually really good and then wow, my it mind made is me, yeah, when, and then when I went back to watch it, I was kind of like, because I thought the same thing. I was like, oh man, she's not very good. But then I, I wondered oh how God, much was of she it. That good? Yeah. Wow. And well, that will never really be a discussion. We won't know. Her, her wow, name is, is like shrouded in this other thing. Good point. Yeah, because so. if that's the if that's true, then she blew everybody out of the water. So I don't like I don't know because wow. I because there Let's is that definite that. at the beginning you're just like oh wow yeah Ooh, stilted yeah, yeah. but good. her character what if looking at it thinking about it that way of she was always told that the only thing she had going for her was her looks. And that's why she had that kind of awkwardness. So I don't know. Wow. Honest, like I just said that, but my the MVP that I wrote down was was Anne. Because <laughs> she she got her toes wet in showbiz. She saw how it really was. She wanted out, but then they're like, no, you're a model. Then she made a whole bunch of money. Then she was lucky and she hit her rock bottom. She had a few pills. She almost drowned in the ocean. And then she was just like Oh, I'm uh -huh. out. Probably still out had way. all of her money, and she just uh -huh. cashed out and went back to New England, just retired. In that gorgeous house. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the guy came back and was like, "Marry me." She's like, "No, I'm happy." And then went and just she just finds sticks and she just gets to hit things now. <laughs> Excellent. So recasting. Okay, so mm -hmm. I I tried to do one. And I did have 
Janelle Monet in the Neely character. Ooh. Mm-hmm. But then I went with the the Wish cast of Jacqueline Suzanne, the author of the book. Oh yeah, that's what this, you have. This is her Wish cast. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. oh. Ursula Andress is Jennifer. Okay, I know a lot of you don't know. She was uh, never heard of her. A Bond girl. She was, uh, I think she was with. Um, okay, uh, John Derrick before Bo Derrick. Oh, she she's much in the Sharon Tate vibe. She's blonde, very much, very yeah. voluptuous. Yeah. Yes, she's a Swiss German actress. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. Now. Now. Jacqueline Suzanne said that um, Grace Kelly would be mm. Anne if she lost 10 to 15 pounds. Bitch. What oh. the fuck? Well, Grace Kelly was already retired by this point. She so, was in yeah. Monaco being like, um, that's, excuse me, that's Princess Grace? Yeah, with some, I'm put royalty, some bitch. Royalty on that? Um, so the Neely character would be Shirley MacLaine back in oh, the day. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the Helen character, Betty Davis. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? And Tony, you know, the guy who gets struck with Hutchinson's. Huntington's, yes. Huntington's Elvis. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Don't know about Elvis. that one. Yeah, I, well, no, no. but you know what it would do? Draw a whole, that would get a whole oh, lot yeah. of ticket buyers. Well, they got yeah. a whole lot of ticket buyers. That's in Tasty Titties. For my recasting, this is going to very much infuriate certain people because yeah. they're that going to me. accuse me of erasing women. Because I How went dare you. with a trans cast. Ooh. <gasps> Pride Month. Go, girl. Mm-hmm. So for Anne, I have actress Hari Neff. She's been in, I think she was in Transparent and, oh, and like other things. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet I know who she is. And we have mm-hmm. for Neely, I went with MJ Rodriguez. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. For Jennifer, I went with Valentina Sapayo. For Lion, I went with Elliot Page. Oh, yes. And for Helen, I went with Laverne Cox. Nice. Okay. Well done. Yeah, I would, like yeah, put, like, I would like to put Billy Porter somewhere in there. Like we, we would find some. Maybe he would be like the the. Could he um, be? Could he be the sister, the Lee Grant character? Maybe, or like I don't know. I would. We would have to like work, see what maybe we see what he wanted to do. Yeah, and that kind of thing. But I I like the idea of it, and you know, to those. Um, women out here who are like, oh, I'm erasing women. They are women. So, fuck you. Exactly. Okay. I just no think com- that, that would, it would be uh, so much fun. Just <laughs> have at it. <laughs> Go for it. That would be. Exactly. 
because this okay. film also has a lot of weird montages in it, especially when it Andrew becomes the model. It's really weird. Yeah. Okay, so now we're to Tasties. Let's get down to it. Mm-hmm. Get down to it. I didn't do any stuff because I knew you all would. You knew we would. So the censorship stopped some of the book's colorful instances, such as uh, Jen dabbling in lesbianism. How colorful. But is this still when the Hayes coat was around? Yes. Oh, Look at wow. me. Who is she? Who is she? I knew that. I, I said to Adam at one point, I bet you they did the scene like that because of that. Yeah, the Hayes Code is basically the lie that they're putting on society to be like, this is who we are, but it's a lie. Like that's what that's what I was talking about in my cast. Is oh, I can't wait to read the book then. Yeah, it seems so. Um, Ted's homosexuality. Ted. I mean, oh, Ted Casablanca. Yeah, Ted. Yeah. And then Tony... Because they kind of made it in the movie, the impression that they gave was that because he was into to fashion, that everybody said that he was gay, although it was they didn't use the term gay. It was right. just slurs hurled. And that that was one of the best lines that uh, What's-Her-Face get, Neely gives because she's like, well, I'm the girl that can prove it. So Exactly. Because they never heard of bisexual? Yeah. Now, Tony, the guy who gets... Huntington's. Huntington's. His predilection for anal sex was not in the movie. This is, okay, Tina, wow. we got to read this. Now book. I'm seeing why this is one of the best-selling best books of all time. I remember I, I was a sophomore in high school when this came out. So it was like, not only could I never see it, I could never even fathom wanting to see it because uh, I just remember the drugs were, it was like the drugs are so, there's so much about drugs. That, like that was like the last fourth of it or something. Yeah. It wasn't but, as much drugs as I thought. Huh? Yeah. Exactly. I thought they were going to be- Disappointed by the lack yeah. of drugs. Hitting up the reds and the blues and the pinks and the purples, but no. Oh, they were just odd dolls. Uh, Judy Garland was cast as the mm-hmm. original Helen Lawson. Oh, wow. Because of her well, drug no, addiction. And- it was like she was, it wasn't that she was just cast. They went around and like, because everybody when the book came out was like, oh, yo, Helen has to be Judy Garland. And at that time, Judy Garland hadn't made a film since 1963. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't just like, like she was, they went around to sell mo- like Judy Garland is going to be in the Valley of the Dolls movie. So that's getting the eyeballs. It's like what you were saying with Elvis of having to, to mm. do that. So they accomplished that. She, she shot some stuff. Like but she, it she went, wouldn't come out of her dressing room. Boy, here's Patty Duke says that she was sabotaged because people knew that she had issues. And so the director would make her wait from 8 a.m. Yeah. and not shoot yeah. her scenes until the evening time. And he knew that she was going to be intoxicated by then. So then oh. when she was, it was like, oh, yo, she's she's out of control. She's 
we can't do this. And then she was fired. And it's like, okay, so Neely is kind of based on Judy Garland. Yeah. Yeah. And she's playing the older person who is being replaced by Neely, who is kind of based on her. How is that not just a mind fuck? Well, it's all a mind fuck because it's all. Yeah. Also, like, think of it that Neely is being played by Patty Duke, who was a child star who went Mm -hmm. through the same thing that Judy Garland Mm -hmm. did. And Judy, yeah, it is all like very wild. And that, so they ended up firing her after a week and she got paid half of whatever she was supposed to get paid. And she also got the copper colored sequence pantsuit that she wore during her, the last time that she appeared on Broadway, which is like that concert film. So when you see that copper colored pantsuit, yeah, she took that from the Valley of the Dolls. But it's all a mindfuck because it's been yeah. going on in Hollywood forever. For so long. Yeah. Okay. Screenwriter Harlan Ellison insisted that her name his, or his that's a, name it's him. be removed because the studio because the studio put the happy ending on it, and that's not how the book ended. Yeah. So there's mm. a, another writer, this the Harlan guy. And he wanted to keep the ending more in line with the book because also his point was the the audience knows how this ended because this is a best-selling novel. Right. And they've been reading right. the book and then you're going to switch it up on them and stuff. Yeah. So he was like, take my name off of it. Mm. Um, Jacqueline Suzanne hated the film, especially changing of the ending. Mm. The Jennifer character was partially based on Marilyn Monroe. Interesting. Yeah, but she was also based on this woman, this actress, Carol Landis. Mm. That sounds so familiar to me. She was an actress in the 30s and 40s, and she was having an affair with Rex Harrison, and she died of a second all overdose in 1948 at the age of 29. And her family has always contended, was it suicide or murder? Murder. I'm going with murder. Wow. Okay. Um, Okay. So nearly I had two different things was based on a Judy Garland type character. Mm -hmm. Duh. Yeah. So best on based on Ethel Merman. Hmm. I had that Helen was based on Ethel Merman because Ethel Merman, you know that um that buddy Betty Hutton, she has that song it's starts with and it's real quiet and you see it, it was on the car commercial really recently and you're like, "Oh, who is that?" And she was like a singer and stuff and Betty Hutton. I think we did her because I mentioned her before. She also suffered, I think, I believe, from mental illness and stuff. But Betty Hutton was one of the people that uh, Ethel Merman was like, oh, she's talented. Nah, <laughs> sit her down. You know, like a lot of these. That's Hutton, a thing. That's a name, though. Hutton. Yeah, Betty Hutton. Because it's, it's, it's oh, so quiet. Like, Shh. Yeah. 
shit. So yeah, she was like, she was coming up and she had a great voice and stuff. All those brought like, you know, Joan Crawford, uh, Betty Davis, you know, they didn't they didn't stay at the top because of they were just great people. Like right. they were women were pitted against each other and it was survival of the fittest. Right. And I am sure that there are they were bodies throats. Slitting throats. She was she was the, the t shirt of I will throw you in my trunk and I will help people look for you. That's how they rolled. Two months after this Wait, okay, so Judy Garland died in 1969, two years after this, and Sharon Tate was murdered two months later. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Two months later? Yeah. I didn't look it up because I knew you would have it. That's crazy. All of Neely's songs were dubbed. Mm -hmm. I was watching this going... I didn't know Patty Patty Duke could sing like that. Me too. Are you kidding me? Who sang them? Gail Heidemann. There you go. Way to go, Gail. Okay. Richard Dreyfuss said it was the worst film ever made. Damn. (laughs) Okay, that's a stretch, buddy. Dick. (laughs) Um, In the book, there are eight women. In New York City. Too many. Three is good. Too many white women. And they're all white, I assume. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So the real Um, I don't have to live by stinking rules set down for ordinary people. I don't need eight people saying that. Oh, no. That that (laughs) might be my tagline. Uh, The real ending has Jennifer committing suicide, as she did. Um... Neely going back to the booze and the pills. And Anne goes home and rejects dude's marriage proposal and just lives her happy life. But I thought that in the book that that um, Anne and Lion, they married and had a kid. Oh, really? At some point, yeah. And then also in the book that Neely gains a lot of weight. Of course. Because what's the worst thing a woman can do? Yeah, put on a few LBs. Those are my tasties, and that was a lot. I have that Suzanne, Jacqueline Suzanne coined the term fetch. No, was dolls <laughs> for amphetamines and barbiturates. I and, met a dog. I'm so, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. I met a dog named Gretchen Wieners yesterday. Speaking of fetch, <laughs> it was a standard poodle. That's a good name. Beautiful. Um, Gloria Steinem, she of the book. Sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, Gloria Steinem. She said of the book, quote, for a reader has who has put away comic books but isn't yet ready for editorials in the daily news. That sounds Ooh. like it'll be perfect for me. Uh-huh. Exactly. Be treated. Yeah. I, the thing that I admire the most about Gloria Steinem is that she seems to just have have just weathered the storm and it's just like, I will just keep fighting. But instead, because I when I go through these histories of like 1967 and all this stuff, and then I come to, I was thinking like when I got to Gloria Steinem's name, I'm like, my God, is she just like pulling her hair out and stuff? Yes. But then she's just like, no, like it just... I, I admire her, I don't know what it is, Her maybe her zenness of just, 
I told these people and nobody listens to me. How many years ago have we gone through it's this? Just, oh, just, 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 I, I just, I just admire because it seems like she has just very like, compartmentalized her life and such that she is still able to find happiness and to do happy things. But also have seen the struggle and just the crater. Oh, I admire that. I'm just like, hey, look, Gloria Steinem can still make jokes and laugh, so it'll be okay. Um, There was a 1981 miniseries called Jacqueline Suzanne's Valley of the Dolls, and there was a 1994 syndicated late-night soap opera that went for one season and had 65 episodes. Really? I might mm-hmm. have to watch it. It was 1994. I, I forget who the, the cast. It was, Oh, man, it was some name that it, it was like, oh, yeah, she would be in that. Um, This was nominated for one Oscar, Best Song Scoring Adaptation or Treatment, John Williams. I like the John Williams. Like, the, the score is over the top and made me laugh multiple times because it's very noir and... <laughs> do, 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 do. I was like, oh, I like that. Um, we have Raquel Welch turned down the role of Jennifer because she didn't want it to play another sex pot. And she oh. asked, yeah, she was like, can I play Neely? And they were like, no. Um, Patty Duke's performance was universally panned as over the top. This is according to Wikipedia. And her performance almost ruined her career. Wow. That's what Wikipedia said. But her career was such But I also point out that like she tried to take herself out the game the in 1967 the same year that this came out. There was something else that I was reading. Oh, it must have been it was probably like a family secrets or something where No, it was about this woman who trans she's living in Ohio and she transitioned. She was a war veteran. And transitioned in her 80s to a woman. She's a woman now. And she had tried to take her life like six times. And I remember like reading that and going like, oh my God, oh, six Lord. times? Ooh. Jeez. And I just like, man, that is when you... That... It's not an insignificant thing, is just what I'm trying to say. So, whew, that's just, that's a lot to be like, oh, it's panned, is over the top. It's like, this is a woman who's like going through things. And I'm sorry that her going through things is, you think that's over the top. Whew. Um, this is for particularly for gay men, considered a camp classic, and it's part of the LGBTQ plus canon. Mm-hmm. There's a 1970s film Beyond the Valley of the Dolls that is directed by oh. Russ Meyer, and the screenplay is by Roger Ebert. Yes. Well, I better read five stars. That Ebert. It's um. It was originally going to be a sequel, but it morphed into a satirical parody, and yeah. it had the same thing. We might have to. We're probably going to have to do it yeah, at some I'm point. Yeah, I want to see it now. Because it has the same kind of thing of people being like, this movie is awful. And it has now achieved 
canon in the exactly. This exactly. is crazy. So those are my tasty titties. Okay, well, that has been the Valley of the Dolls. It, it has in the movie. We have had our ups and downs in this mm-hmm. podcast. And it, very 67, 1967. I very, very much the culture. So, next week. Okay. So, it, it is Pride Month, and I saw a, a mashable article about, like, 67 movies to watch. So I was okay. Like, there are so many great ones and stuff, but since this has gone with the bushes, and we, we, I mean, we watch the classics for you, I thought this film came up. It's a romantic comedy. Okay. It's directed by George Cukor. <gasps> Come on. It's 1935. Oh, Lord. For Prime Month? Exactly. 1935. Directed by George Cukor. Starring Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant. George Cukor, Catherine Hepburn, and Cary Grant. We haven't done it already? No, because this is one of the... the, I forget what Wikipedia said, but it's... Like one of the most unsuccessful films of all time of just like this just didn't work. And I think this is one of the films that labeled Catherine Hepburn box office poison. Oh, remember she was she, yeah, right? she went through a period where yeah. yeah, everything flopped. So the log line of this is a female con artist masquerading as a boy to escape the police. Hell yeah. It's available for rent on iTunes and Apple and wherever you get your rentals. Okay. 1935, Sylvia Scarlet is the name of the picture. Ooh. Oh. I was just scrolling. There were so many, and then I got, I was like, 1935, Catherine Hepburn. Yeah, Very I like brilliant. that because, like, a lot of the times they're like, these only new movies that they show for those. A lot of documentaries, a lot of yeah. like a lot mm-hmm. that I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be but you know, we we that we're in the classics. And I was just like, this is going to be fascinating. I am I like. so excited. I mean, Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant, how can you go wrong? And I um this is this is gonna sound wrong. Mm. But say it boomer. <laughs> Anything with Katherine Hepburn is kind of pride-ish because she did not conform. She didn't. And and we'll talk about it next week, but she found her brother who had taken his own life. And then she dealt with that grief of like dressing up as a boy and like okay. kind of like, I know that there's like an interesting story. Oh, and there's also like a documentary somewhere that just came like Call Me Kate. That is on somewhere. I don't know if it's on HBO or Netflix, but there is a doc- a new documentary streaming that that I do want to. I have to remember to check out before next week. I am week. gonna check that out before next week. That is exciting. I'm glad because I have a movie picked out. Poppy told me about that. Uh, we're gonna do the next week, not mm. necessarily Pride, but. Um, I am all I I am all for Pride Month. And so this has been Valley of the Dolls, which I I think we have done a good job of making yeah, we're it sound. Off Pride. We're kicking off Pride Month. Exactly. Exactly. And 
Um, well, there you go. What else can I say? <gasps> mm -hmm. Bob. Yeah.